time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right. How many seniors do we have in the room tonight? Yeah. Seniors. All right. Well, hey, I want to talk to you for just a second because I can't stress the magnitude of this time in your life. Literally everything is going to change if you're a senior. Yes, your home will still be your home for Christmas break, spring break, going off to college, maybe the first two summers. Your parents will still be your parents if you don't mess up too bad in college, all right? They'll still be your parents, but life as you know it is coming to an end. Everything is getting ready to change. You see, I remember I was getting ready to go off to college Laying in my bed that night, didn't do much sleeping because I was excited, I was nervous, maybe a little afraid, a little scared, because I knew when that alarm clock was going to go off, everything was getting ready to change, and it has. And why is there this nervousness on the inside? I think something has to do because we're going from a senior to a freshman. There's a big difference, going from a senior to a freshman, but here's the deal. Every single one of us are in some season of our life where we're going from a senior to a freshman. If you're in the eighth grade, getting ready to go into ninth grade, you're going from a senior, hey, come on, you're going from a senior in the, the middle school, junior high, to a freshman in high school. If you're going from a senior to freshman to college, if you're a senior in college, you're going to be a freshman in business. If you're a freshman in business and you move up to a senior, all of a sudden you're going to start a new career. You're starting over again. Once you got that down, you were a a senior being single. Now you're a freshman at being married. Then all of a sudden you got that down. You're a senior at being married. Then all of a sudden you're a freshman at being a daddy. It doesn't stop. You're always going through those seasons of life. And I'm telling you, there's something that we have to draw to to see success. Tonight, my message, how can you see success in no matter what season you are in? So tonight, I have a couple truths that I want to talk to you about. And here's the deal. I don't want to just have a message. You know, tonight is a night for my wife and I. We are going to hang out. But Brandon said, hey, you got to come and speak. There's something stirring in my spirit. So I just didn't want to waste your time or my time. I have some truths that I believe if you grab a hold of and not just put them in your pocket, but put them in your mind and your spirit, you can literally see success in no matter what season you are in. And tonight what I'm going to do, I want to talk about a man named Daniel. You see, Daniel is very similar to you guys. Even if you went off to college, see, Daniel had to go off to a foreign, faraway land. It wasn't called college, but it was foreign and it was far away. But Daniel had to operate under three different kingdoms, three different empires, and every single one of those empires, Daniel rose to the top. Everyone he saw success. So I believe if we can align with some of the truths that Daniel paralleled his life to, we could see that same success tonight. You guys good with that? Come on. All right, Father, we come to you tonight. We thank you for your word. Lord, we say, have your way. Speak to us. Move in our hearts. Father, give us wisdom and revelation. Reveal your knowledge, your understanding to us that can truly change our lives. 
for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen. All right. Well, hey, I want to start this off. Daniel, um, in the book of Daniel, there's a guy by the name King Nebuchadnezzar. You guys heard of him? King Nebuchadnezzar, he was over the Babylonian Empire. And he came in to the Israelites and took them captive. He took the Israelites captives. And what he was doing, he was looking for some young men to raise up to be service to the king. And it's amazing, again, the parallels that I'm going to talk tonight, because even what the king was looking for kind of reminds me of this group right here. So in Daniel chapter 1, verse 4, he was looking for young men without any physical defect, youth without blemish, handsome. Is that you guys or what? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, hey, I was born that way. You can't help it. You can't help it. So he's looking for handsome. It says showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand. That's you guys. You guys are smart, aren't you? Huh? Yeah, yeah, no. And it said, and they were looking for and qualified to serve the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were someone from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved. Everybody say resolved. Everybody say resolved. Not to defile himself with royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. At the end of the 10 days, it looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding. Everybody say God gave. I want you to know it's, it's okay to go to the Lord and say, give me knowledge and understanding. I'm telling you, in high school, I was dumb. In college, I was dumber, all right? For real. I got dumber in college. But you know what? I've gone to the Lord and say, God, give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. The first nugget of truth that I want to give you tonight, if you want to see success, no matter what season you are in, you have to have resolve. Everybody say resolve again. Resolve means a firm decision final. You see, Daniel, he had resolve in his heart that he would not defile himself by eating or drinking what God commanded the Jews not to eat or drink. Right now, you need to resolve now what you are about. You need to resolve who you are, better yet, whose you are. You see, Daniel had the revelation that he was not the main character in his own story, that it wasn't just about himself. See, what he understood, it always was about Jesus, it is about Jesus, and it always will be about Jesus. He had that understanding and that knowledge. You see, in the New Testament, the new covenant that we walk in, there's 140 verses that say, in Christ, everybody say in Christ, by Christ, through Christ. 
There is the new covenant. It is about Jesus. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, say in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I want you to know it always has been about Jesus and in your life, it has to be about Jesus. You see, when I went to college, I didn't have resolve in my heart. I went to church here and there. You know, I grew up in the status religious family that was broken through divorce and the list goes on. And, you know, there are certain things that really hurt my home. My family from bloodline has had drug addiction that's just passed through my family. There's some things that I swore I would never do. But when I went to college, I was literally living my dream, playing college football, something that I wanted to do as a very young kid. But all of a sudden, through a matter of time, I got to a place of living the dream to being where I didn't care if I was living or breathing anymore. You see, there's a scripture, John 10, 10. It's kind of a life verse for me. It says, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and live it to the full. You see, in my life in college, the enemy used really fun stuff to try to steal, kill, and destroy me. He used drugs and partying and all those things that I thought were fun and I was having a great time. But again, I began to do things that I swore I would never do because I did not have that resolve in my life. And it wasn't until I understood, what does that mean, life? Jesus, who was he talking to when he said that? Was he talking to a bunch of dead people? No, he was talking to living people. He wasn't talking about just some physical life. He used the word zoe. Zoe in the, in the Greek means life. And it's actually the supernatural life that we can live in heaven, but now live on this earth. That's the life that he's have intended for you. A life of joy, of fun, of excitement. Yes, there's serious things that we have to walk through, but that's the calling that God has for you and I. You see, I've been doing youth ministry for a long time, and I've seen groups like yourself, loved on them, hung out, and all of a sudden, some of the most popular kids in the school graduate and go off to college. And there's sometimes, about six months later, eight months later, I'm sitting across from them having lunch, and they're literally breaking down weeping because of depression that's hit them. Or because of situations, they've done what they never thought they would do. And I'm telling you, it stems. They did not have resolve in who they were before they they were sent out. You have to have resolve now in who you are. Here's what you need to know. If you don't have that resolve, when the tests and trials come, you will succumb to the situation. You will succumb to the situation. But if you are in Christ, everybody say in Christ, you are an overcomer. That's what you have to understand. But when I say you're an overcomer, it can be a little exciting. Say, everybody say, I'm an overcomer. It can be exciting to, yes, I'm an overcomer. But it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm an overcomer, than be walking through a situation that you have to overcome. You see... It's one thing to say it, and it's one thing to truly live it out. You know, I've been doing ministry long enough to see it's, it's a little bit different when a mom and dad can't pay the, the phone bill or the, the, the house payment. 
Or when all of a sudden a mom or a dad is diagnosed with cancer and all of a sudden the, the room is shattered a little bit to say, I'm an overcomer. But I want you to know, we all, God has called us to be overcomers. And Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And if he has overcome the world, he is in us. We have that same ability to overcome. We have that same ability to overcome. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know, there was no way out of death in a tomb and some guards that were in front of that tomb. There was no way out from the Red Sea. Jesus always provides a way out. You know, the word of God says, we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Here's what a testimony is not. A testimony is not if there's a diagnosis or a situation you're going through that maybe you, you messed up real hard, you're in trouble, you're grounded. A testimony is not with you and your head down, mad at yourself, beating yourself up, then all of a sudden God shows up and all of a sudden everything's great. That's not a testimony or someone that's being diagnosed with a situation, just, just beating their head, you know, putting their head down, then all of a sudden God shows up and provides a healing. No, that's you being a baby and God showing his power and his work. Here is a testimony. I learned this in seminary. If you pass the test, you get demony. Testimony. All right? <laughs> if you pass the test, you get the money. All right, here's a testimony. If there's a diagnosis, if there's a situation, Lord, this is not mine. This is who the word of God says that I am. I am an overcomer. That is a testimony. And we all can be that overcomer. You see, here's the interesting thing. Through trials and situations, it's a part of us finding out who our true identity is in Christ. It's kind of like the eagle. You know, an eagle will build this nest up on a thousand foot cliff about halfway up. So the mama eagle will fly out and get twigs and build this nest and it'll get feathers and down and just soft things and all of a sudden, boop. There's a little eaglet, you know, a little egg, and uh, just after a period of time, it cracks open. The eaglet's just chirping away. It's hungry. So mama, what does she do? She flies out. She go gets, you know, worms and mice and all these things. She eats it down and, you know, pukes it all up. And the little eagle's like, oh, this is so good. You know, you know, so the eagle gets all the nourishment from mama. Uh, you know, the eagle starts growing a little bit. Life is great. Then all of a sudden, mama, she's like lifting up his wings. She's like, oh, you're about right size. And she kind of gets a little like twist in her head. And the little eaglet's like, Never seen that look before, Mommy. And uh, so Mommy, all of a sudden, starts ripping out the down and the feather and everything's soft. And the little eagle's like, Mommy, what are you doing? And all of a sudden, she's like, what are you doing to my home? She starts ripping out the, the twigs and just ripping up the nest. And the little eagle's like, Mommy, you're going crazy. And all of a sudden, there's just a ledge. And Mom, and all of a sudden, he's like, Mom. And she charges him. And he comes to the ledge. He's just like hanging on like, Mommy, what are you doing? Save me. And all of a sudden, Mommy Eagle just comes up and, ah, you know, knocks it off. And the little eaglet's like, ah, falling. You know, it's 500 foot, so it's still. Then all of a sudden, whoa, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I could fly. 
I didn't know I could soar over my problems. I didn't know I could fly over my situation. You see, sometimes it's in the falling that we realize, oh, I am an overcomer. Oh, this is what it is to live in Christ. You are an overcomer. Amen? Amen. All right. You see, the rest of the story here tonight is because Daniel had resolve in who he was in Christ and the understanding that he was an overcomer. Daniel chapter 1, verse 18. It says, at the end of the time, set by the king to bring them into service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service, and every matter of wisdom and way or wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and all the enchanters in the whole kingdom. So the first thing, again, we have to have resolve if we want to see success and no matter what season we walk through. The second thing we have to have is confidence. And that means complete trust in God. So all of a sudden, King Nebuchadnezzar, he has a dream. And he wants his magicians and his chanters to interpret this dream. This dream troubles them. They ask him, what's the dream? And he says, I want you to tell me what the dream is, then interpret it. They couldn't do that. They said it's impossible. So King Nebuchadnezzar got a little frustrated and just decided to kill them all. Then he goes to Daniel and says, hey, I want you to interpret my dream. What's the dream? I want you to tell me the dream. So Daniel goes with his boys and says, hey, here we go. All right, so Daniel chapter, um, Daniel chapter 2, verse 27. I love his response. Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain the king the mystery he asked about. But there's a God in heaven who reveals all mysteries. A God that reveals knowledge and understanding, and a God that reveals mystery. Go to him, ask him, and he will reveal it. You see, Daniel's confidence was not in himself. And it could have been. At that time, he had a high-ranking position. He had the nice clothes. He had the money. He had the good reputation. Daniel's trust, value, where he found value and confidence was in the Lord. Who do you place your trust in? It's an easy question, but not the easiest answer. You see, if you haven't learned this yet, learn it now. You cannot place your value and your confidence in what other people think about you. You know, when I was a senior in high school and we were graduating, I was sitting in the chair and literally I had one of the most biggest, the biggest aha moment I've ever had. Literally, I was like, why did I worry about all the things I worried about? Because what do you worry about at school? It's about what other people think about you or this situation. Because literally I was sitting there looking around saying, I'm not going to see you again. I'm not going to see you again. And heck no, never going to see you again. Thank the Lord. You know, and it was just, I see that happen every single time as these kids graduate like, man, why did I worry about things I worried about? You can't have your value in what other people think. It will kill you. It will crush you. You can't have your value in your accomplishments. When I was in high school, I got to play in the state championship in football as the quarterback. You know, I ran track and broke a bunch of track records, still holding in my name. But you know, if I went back to my hometown, no one would know who Andrew Williams is. Those accomplishments have faded. 
My wife and I got involved in business at a very young age, made a six-figure income. You know, we, we broke records with this company. We got a big old fat ring that represented um, just our accomplishments and what we did. I was so proud of that ring, and I have no idea where that ring is today. You see, those, and I'm saying we got to work hard, we got to try, but you can't place your value, your life into the accomplishments because they will tarnish and they will fade. We can't place our value in religious services and our religious acts that we do. It will crush you. Religion always says do. Jesus says done. (laughs) Religion always says do. Jesus says done. You know, in the Sistine Chapel in Rome, there's a gentleman by the name of Michelangelo. He painted on his ceiling, this beautiful portrait. And some historians believed that Michelangelo used some of the most darkest of colors that he could use to represent that God is in the silent background, that he's removed from humanity. But they brought some uh, restorers in to, to restore the painting on the ceiling. And they used a solution that would draw, withdraw, or take out the impurities, but leave the paint intact. And what they found was all the historians were wrong. That actually Michelangelo used some of the brightest of colors, but in the very bottom of the cathedral, they've been for centuries burning candles and religious service and acts, um, and acts of service. And all of a sudden the wax and the soot got into the plaster of the painting, which what that did, it darkened the image of God and blurred the image of man. And I'm telling you, that's what religious acts and service will do. You are made to be bright. You are made to be beautiful. God is exciting. God is a celebration. So many of us think God wants our religious services. He wants so much more. He wants to dine. He wants intimacy. He wants a relationship with you. Here's what you have to have confidence in. It can't be in your religious services. It will let you down. It can't be in what people think. It has to be in Jesus Christ. And here's what you can have confidence in. That he has a plan and a purpose for your life. That he loved you so much that he gave his son for you. That just you alone, his thoughts towards you outnumber the grain of sands. That he delights in you. That he has a plan and a purpose for your life. That even if you have powerful things coming against you, have confidence that you have an all-powerful God on your side. Our confidence, we have to have complete trust and confidence in the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter three. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. The third truth that we have to have tonight to see success, whatever season, is perspective. And here's what perspective is. Making decisions in the immediate in view of the ultimate. Another crazy story is King Nebuchadnezzar passes away. His son, King Belshazzar, steps into reign. 
And all of a sudden, um, King Belshazzar became a wicked man, a wicked ruler. And he went into the Jerusalem, went into the temple, and took some golden goblets, which were sanctified unto the Lord, these cups, and began to have a little party with them. In the middle of this party, all of a sudden, a finger appears. And this finger, one finger, kind of crazy, little freaked everybody out, but began to write four words on the wall. And he went to his magicians and his chanters and said, hey, I need somebody to interpret this. I need somebody to tell me what this means. They couldn't. And his wife was like, hey, there was a guy named Daniel that your dad used to use. So he went and found Daniel, and he said, Daniel, if you interpret this for me, I will give you, make you a third in command. I will give you money. I'll give you a purple robe. I'll put a necklace around your neck. I'll give you all these things. And listen to Daniel's response. He said, chapter 5, verse 7, then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make him known the interpretation. Why would Daniel not receive those rewards for his efforts? Because Daniel Daniel made a decision on the immediate and view of the ultimate. Daniel knew that that was a wicked king and God would not bless that man. Well, shortly after that, a guy by the name Darius of the Medes comes in, kills the king, and all of a sudden puts Daniel in the charge of the third of the kingdom. You know, we all would make decisions differently if we lived our life in perspective. How many in this room would have done something different this last year if you knew the outcome of the situation? Absolutely. Every single one of us. Every one of us. You know, I've been doing prison ministry for a while, and it's amazing to me. Literally, I've seen the Spirit of God more alive in some of those people and the inmates than I've seen in the church, because their only hope is in Jesus Christ. But I've looked at young men in the eyes that remind me of some people that I've looked in, even in rooms like this, that literally just made a bad decision. They came from a rough background. They maybe had a few too many drinks and got behind a car and all of a sudden swerved over and hit a family and killed a family. There's a young man that I was looking in prison and he said, if I would have known, there would have been no way I ever would have picked up that first drink in my life. We have to live our lives in perspective. But I want to say, as you, some of you seniors that are going to be sent out, some of you are being sent into high school or sports for the first time, if you only could have a view of the ultimate of what life can be like when you live an obedient life unto the Lord. I'm telling you, it's a Zoe life. I'm telling you, there's so much blessing that God has in store for you when you live a life of obedience. So the three things that I shared tonight was resolve. You have to know whose you are and understand Christ is in you and you are an overcomer. The second thing was you have to have confidence, complete trust in God. The third thing was, what was it? Come on, baby. Perspective, there we go. Making decisions on the immediate in view of the ultimate. And here's the last thing, the last nugget of truth I want to give you tonight is you have to fight. See, we're called not to be captain of the love boat, but the commander of the love or the commander of the battleship. Kind of butchered that. 
<laughs> We're not the captain of the love boat. We're called to be the commander of the battleship. You see, in the word of God, it says the enemy is prowling around like a lion, seeking who may, he may devour. Those are fighting words to me. I don't know about you, but there is a very real battle that we are going through. You have to fight for your life. You have to fight for success. But let me define success for you. The opposite of success is not failure. The opposite of success is unfaithfulness. You see, in many times in the word of God, God used some of the greatest failures to do some of the biggest acts. When you give your failures to God, he can do an amazing work. But the opposite of success is unfaithfulness. We have to fight for faithfulness. You have to fight for purity. I know what it's like being in the school. You have to make a stand not to party, to not do those things. You have to fight for your dreams. You have to fight for the freedom that God has given you. Do any Braveheart fans in this room? Yeah, come on, Braveheart. Some of you don't even know what Braveheart is. But in the 1200s, year 1200 and something, a man by the name of William Wallace made a stand to fight, to fight for freedom. And I'm telling you, I believe just that fight. What would William Wallace say to us today? Anybody have an idea? I kind of have an idea of what he might say. Sons of Scotland. Sons and daughters of desperation. I am William Wallace. Yes, I've heard. And if he were here... He would kill the enemy by the hundreds. He would shoot fireballs out of his eyes and lightning bolts out of his armpits. I am William Wallace, and I see a whole army of students in defiance of tyranny. You've come here today as free men, and free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Ah, fight, and you may die. Run, and you will live a while. But many years from now, dying in your beds, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for that one chance, one chance that you may tell your enemies that they may take your lives, but they will not take your freedom? Desperation, will you stand to your feet? Will you stand to your feet? If you're here today and you say, I am willing to fight, fight to make a stand, I want you to shout freedom on the count of three. One, two, three. One, two, three. (laughs) Give yourself a hand. Come on. I want to pray for you tonight. That might have been the coolest sermon illustration you've seen or the dumbest or you're still saying, what's going on? Who's that? Who's that guy? But it wasn't just for fun. There was a reason in doing that. I'm telling you, life is a fight. 
It is a battle. We have to make a stand. I want you to close your eyes here tonight. We all have different reasons why we're here. Different scenarios going on in our life. I just feel this heavy burden that there's some of you here tonight that have a desire to overcome. That inside of you, there's really this desire to make a stand. God's placed that on the inside of you, but you're afraid. You're afraid of what you might lose. Friends, reputation, whatever it may be. With your eyes closed tonight, if you're here tonight, you say, I want to operate on this desire that God has given me and I want to make a stand. I want to be that overcomer. I want to live my life with true perspective on a greater reason than just the day to day. I want to live my life based on the ultimate of what God has for me. If you're saying, I want to take a stand tonight, I just want you to raise your hand boldly in this room. Thank you, Lord. There's hands across the room of people saying, I will make a stand that I will fight. So Father, we come to you tonight. Father, I just speak a releasing of boldness. These young men and women have been in your presence tonight. Lord, let boldness stir up, Lord Jesus. Father, you speak to them individually on the stands that they need to make, relationships that they may need to cut off. Oh, Lord, how they can, they can be your voice and be your hands and be your feet, Lord God. Lord, if there's a situation in their life that they need to overcome, Lord Jesus, we call upon your name. We call upon your name tonight. And Father, we release, release a freedom in this house. We release a freedom in this house. Hallelujah. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.